I hold prominent positions at church and at work. I have a pornography problem and the shame is eating me alive. Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. Okay, Tyler, before we get into that, I want to share a review. So we got an an awesome review, so I want to share it. It says, insightful and impactful. I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for creating such an impactful podcast. I believe that we all have a voice that deserves to be heard. Thank you for putting this into the world. Great review. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out to us and letting us know. It always gives us a nice little boost. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've done this for a while and it doesn't get old to hear words like that. <laughs> so. I know that's the thing. I, I think it doesn't get old for anybody to hear those kinds of words. It doesn't matter how old you are. So that's yeah, great. Absolutely. Um, how, how are you doing, Tyler? How are things? Things are great, man. We uh, just, uh, we're getting ready to send our, both of our daughters, our two oldest daughters back down to college here this week. So looking at another life transition, but it's been a great summer so far. And we've got some really cool, you know, got another cool trip planned. Just got done with a trip with you and Rex and, and hot rod and our cousin Jeff. And (laughs) (laughs) dude, dude, you got a gray beard. Now you got two (laughs) fake hips and you got two kids that are empty nested. I got, I'm going to pull out the wheelchair. I like geriatric. I'm I'm in my forties. And the way you just said that, it sounds like I'm in my (laughs) eighties. Hey, you're, you're heading, you're, you're getting old fast, man. Some days it feels that way after being pulled around on a wakeboard for five minutes, thinking I I could do what I used to do. I was going to say, like, I say this thing, you know, you do sound old, but if you, if you were to see Tyler and, you know, on the basketball quarter behind a boat, like you'd be like, man, that guy's 22. (laughs) That's not actually true. (laughs) Holy cow. You know, I've tried to spend my whole life trying to be better than you athletically. And I just, I mean, you got fake hips and crap and I can't do it. (laughs) Oh, whatever, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully with the, hopefully with age comes experience and, and hopefully that experience pays off for some of our listeners. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. So no, but you know, you're at, you're an active man and, and that's, I think you ground those hips down because you're so active and other reasons, but, um, I think it's good that you're active and I'm glad you are. Cause I like to get out and do things with you. So yeah, it's great. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. So Brandon, we don't have a caller today, but we've get, we've gotten a couple of questions and we were actually just talking about this in terms of like what we see in our practice and thought, you know, what, this is probably a really interesting topic and will be pertinent for a lot of people. So, um, why don't you kind of paint the picture a little bit with what you were just telling me before we started recording about, you know, use, use uh, one of your hypothetical clients as an example. Yeah. And, and I'll, how about this? I'll speak more broadly and not use hypotheticals because these are actually, this is real. So I've, I've, I've been working here in Utah County for uh, over a decade and, um, you know, uh, having treated so many people, um, I, I started treating a lot of 
leaders in, in, in church. And maybe just explain like in Utah County, for those of our listeners who aren't from Utah, Utah has kind of a culture that's very strongly weighted towards the, the, the LDS, the Latter-day Saint Church of Jesus Christ culture. And so we get a lot of, a lot of our clients happen to be of that faith. Yeah. And, and so they're called bishops, um, stake presidents is another those are church leaders name for them. They're, those are the, the church leaders, um, elders, quorum presidents, um, patriarchs. And so I, you know, treating sexual addiction, pornography addiction in the church, uh, pornography use and sex, se, you know, sexual acting out is very looked down upon. It's, it's right. not Okay. The way that we were raised, traditionally speaking, culturally speaking, any form of acting out with pornography or other people sexually, it it had this connotation of sin. But the way sin was defined, or at least your unworthy was projected, was it led to a sense of unworthiness? It led to a sense of badness, you know, that kind of thing. Like God was frowning down, disappointed, all of that stuff. As a as a leader, you should be worthy, and I, I'm saying this, you know, like. How, this how, is the message train of thought. Yeah. As a leader, you should be worthy and you should not be engaging in these behaviors because you're supposed to lead people. And, you know, having, having worked with patriarchs and bishops and, and members of state presidencies and, and uh, you know, if I was in a different culture, if I was, you know, in the deep South, like maybe I'd be working with a lot of Baptist leaders or pastors, or youth, or pastors. Or youth pastors and, you know, um, I've actually worked a lot with Catholic leaders for a while. Um, we were working with some, some Catholic leaders. And so my point being <clears throat> there, and I, I hope this doesn't trigger anybody or, or really rock their world, but a lot of leaders have these issues and you might be thinking, Oh, not, not my leader. He's, he's, you know, he definitely doesn't have it, but then, deep down and behind the scenes, his shame is just running wild because he'd think if, if my congregation or my followers knew who I really truly was or what was really truly, truly going on behind the scenes, they would think I'm horrible. And, um, so they have this addiction, they got this drive, they got this thing going on behind the scenes that's not stopping yet. They really have to put up a front um, because they feel like it would rock too many people's worlds and have too many consequences and implications if they actually got honest and open and vulnerable with with their issues. That's right, Brandon. And then if you if you let, play that out a little bit here with how, what we understand and know about how how sexual addiction really fuels itself from shame. That's not a secret to anyone who listens to our show. Shame thrives with secrecy and isolation and shame also operates from this control and release sort of a pattern where the control is perfect, 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 get better. Let everyone see me a certain way. And then behind the scenes, when I can't hold it anymore, I can't cope anymore. Then I release and I have my, my acting out. Well, if my I escape, if I'm, consistently performing in a way that I end up in certain positions, whether that's at work or at church or something, and people see me as a, in a certain light, I feel the pressure of needing to stay in that certain light, which then actually builds the shame of the fact that I feel like a hypocrite. The shame grows 
And now my addiction gets stronger and stronger, even though I'm trying to outperform my addiction by showing up a certain way, because I haven't really confronted the real issues, which are the shame itself. And I haven't been in a spot where I've felt safe enough to actually do what it takes to confront the shame, which is to actually admit it and own it. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, but, but you can see why this house of cards gets built. Like you can, you can understand why. And, and before I, before we move on, I just want to stop for a minute and, and say, and, and empathize and, and just say, if you're in that, that place of hell, that position of shame where, you know, deep, where, where you got all these things that only, you know, and it's eating you alive. I just want to say that's hard. And, and I'm sorry that you're in that position. Um, you don't have to stay there, but I'm sorry that you have been there for so long. Um, Tyler, any thoughts on that? Yeah, there are some, there's some massive shifts that can take place. You don't have to live that way. Maybe it's the way you figured out how to survive. Maybe it's the way you figured out how to get your sense of self. But if you are in that place of hell, there is a, there is a different way. And it's, it's a pathway that feels really scary, but it's also a pathway to freedom. Here's the, here's the thing though, Tyler, is like a lot of these church leaders, they, they preach about the atonement of Jesus Christ, about healthy repentance, about, about forgiveness and acceptance, right? And so like the very things that they're preaching may be the answers that they need to apply to themselves. A hundred percent. I can't tell you how many times we've, you know, we both live in this kind of world together and we've worked with multiple, multiple church leaders. And one of the, one of the common themes here is, is that you ask a question like that and say, Hey, if, if one of your, if one of your members of your congregation came into you with this very same problem, what would you tell them? And without, without fail, they say, I'd tell them there's hope. I'd tell them that there's forgiveness. I'd tell them that that they need to learn how to like, and eternal and applies to exactly. They need to learn how to develop a relationship with Christ so they can understand and feel and accept his atonement. And then you turn to them and say, well, why doesn't that apply to you? And they always say, well, because I know better, I should be better because I'm the one it's like, they're carrying the cross. It's, it's, that's exactly right. And we're looking at it from a Christian perspective. What I'm now saying is, is I am saying it's the weirdest form of pride possible because they don't feel this way. They actually feel worse than, but they're saying I'm better than everybody else. And I should do this on my own. Yep. Because I'm the leader because I'm the leader. When in reality, the answer is exactly what they preach every day, but it has to be done with full purpose of heart, right? The only, the only way that if we're talking in terms of Christianity, that the atonement of Christ has sway in my life is when I allow that power to have sway in my life through my choice to accept fully that forgiving, redeeming power that Christ has to offer. So is it, is it more difficult for a leader to fall into the arms of a God who loves them and, and allow God to hold them because they are weak and they are broken um, is it more difficult for them to do that because they should be standing there holding other people next to Christ, standing up, you know, taking, you know, so, so they, they shouldn't. Um, That's the belief re- system they that should, you're pointing out. They shouldn't receive forgiveness, love, 
the atonement and and that I, yeah this is i'm this is not I, i'm saying this is in what they might think that's right? the thinking process right yeah. like I, I don't think it's any more difficult than anybody else if you look at it from the big broad perspective but it's the it's the way that we construct our ideas about ourselves and about the nature of god and about you know what forgiveness really means that then we then we actually ascribe to ourselves a different set of standards than we ascribe to everybody else and in doing so we don't even realize that we're being prideful because we've now taken the role of god and taken it upon ourselves for ourselves but, and and then you end up in this web that you can't get out of and yes. but but tyler i think both you and i are saying is you know webs an algorithm that you can't solve yet it's so easy the it's, answer is so clear. It's easy to to to, to get out of this this <laughs> place of hell, right? <laughs> we say it's, it's easy it's, because because you and I are going to explain how easy it is in a second, and everybody who finds themselves in this position is going to go like, "I can't do that. Nope, I can't. I won't do it. Do it. Can't do it. But, That's too hard. Yeah. It's too hard." I, I remember um, Brandon, yeah. you know, you know, you know me, I've got my own perfection problems anyway. I'm the oldest brother. I've always needed to be the example. You've seen that, right? That's common knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, I remember I was serving in my, my two year church service mission. And this was a long, long time ago, multiple years ago. And during my mission, I'd had an interesting up and down kind of a mission where, I didn't keep the rules very well, but then I really kept the rules. And then I ended up in some positions of leadership there. And I ended up serving as like what they call the assistant to the president for the last few months of that time that I did service there. And as two, I was getting two, yeah, yep. I'm the man. I'm, just, I'm the man. I'm just kidding. I'm so good. Like, you know, <laughs> look at me. I got to the top. Like, I climbed to the top of the chain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, okay. which, yeah. Okay. Okay, that's sorry. not that's not why I'm bringing this. Up, <laughs> I know. By the way. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to. So, I know. That's that's okay. So so that's the backdrop to then as I'm getting ready to leave, I'm having this exit interview with my mission president, the the main leader, and he says to me, "There, our position in the church at that time was called elder." He says, "Elder Patrick, I got I have some thoughts for you," and he says you're the kind of person who has for better or worse, either you've put yourself there or you've been placed there, but you're on a pedestal. There are a lot of people who look to you. They see your example. They see the light that you bring. Uh, they want to have similar things in their lives and you are on a pedestal. And then he said, I promise you, you're going to fall off. <laughs> he Good said, for him. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said, when you fall off, you can either lay there and feel like you've ruined your life and everybody else's life, or you can dust yourself off, you can get yourself back up, and you can be an example of getting back on. And I love that thought. Yeah. Like I, 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 I think about like the people in my life. And he called his shot. Oh, yeah. he nailed it. And he didn't even know how like prophetic he would be because right. it took me like how many years into my marriage, 10 years, 10 years later for the whole thing to come to fruition. Right. Right. But he knew it. He could see it somehow. Um, but, but that's it, Brandon is thinking about this. And this is what I'm saying to the, those who are in, find themselves in these perceived positions, think of the people in your life that you most deeply respect. 
the best stories that you know of real life stories that have ever been told. And, and I think if our listeners were actually to think about that, who comes to mind? Does the, does the perfect dude who like never messed up come to mind? <laughs> not, not for me. Right. You know, I think I, I, I look at like our grandpa Harris, he was that for us. He was that for me. He was this perfect example, happy, always kind to people, lived with integrity, hardest worker you'd ever see, right? But it was actually after reading some of his journals after he passed away, where I realized that he struggled with deep depression at times in his life. He had to, he had to work to become the kind of man he was. That's where it really solidified in me that he's one of my heroes, right? Yeah. And it's actually seeing somebody go through the struggles that actually builds the respect more than just having this perceived look of perfection. Amen. So, but, and, and I think, I think a lot of times, um, church and I'm saying churches across the board, I think in all religions, maybe not all, but many, we want our leaders to be a perfect example of perfectionism. And and I, what you're saying is so true. The best examples are the ones that know how to um, navigate and, and apply forgiveness to themselves. Um, and, and because then they're genuine, then you can connect, then you can relate. And so then you look, you look up to them. You're seeing the courage. You're not seeing the, sh the shame screen from that leader, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, but, but if a leader got up, Tyler, let's say, let's say your bishop got up. Sorry to Tyler's bishop if he's listening, but he got up this week in church and he said, hey, I looked at porn last night. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, now, would that, would that solidify your trust and respect for him? Not, not necessarily. Okay. I think I think there's a principle in play there, and and also I think this this comes to a whole other discussion we could have about honesty and transparency and and who you share your story with, right? Um, what would what would solidify trust with me is if I was let's say if I went into a uh, into an appointment with him in a one on one basis and was telling him about my issues, and he could look me across the table and say, "Hey, like." you're not the only person who struggles with this. There's lots of other guys that I'm working with. And, and honestly, I've even had some experience with it. And these are some things that have really helped. And these are the things that have helped me get through that and principles and truths that would be impactful. Okay. Right. If I just get up and say like, Hey, I looked at porn yesterday. Like there's, there's no, there's no other, there's nothing else attached to it. Like, Hey, but, this but, is, but, but Tyler, I think that on a macro level, not on a micro level, you can attach things to it. So I, I think like leaders could get up and be a bit more vulnerable. Oh, I agree bit, with that. A bit more I, open. And I would and love like, to hey, see more vulnerability you know? all the way around in our world. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because, because uh, if it was done with authenticity and with right. the purpose of actually letting people see the reality of things, because right. that performance is so damaging. Like yes. think of Think about all of the things, even in our day-to-day, -day, that we're going to have a perception of that are not actually real, that are going to right. cause us to feel less than or worse than about ourselves, whatever, right. whatever that is. Every right. advertisement we watch today is going to tell us we're not good enough in some way. Right, right. Exactly. Um, but, but here's the thing. Your 
this is what you said earlier about like, we're going to say what it is. And then you're going to be like, I can't do that. The, the reason is this is because um, your authenticity and vulnerability, Tyler and I know this won't kill you. It will actually free you. Um, it, it, it'll, it'll feel really, really like horrible and then amazingly good. And, and so, and that's where the healing happens of like, Oh my gosh, I just showed my real self and I'm still loved. I'm loved by God. My whole congregation might hate me right now, maybe, but I feel relief and I feel light and I feel freedom and I feel goodness. And we, and we know that that comes Tyler. We've seen it over and over and over again. Um, but on the front end of that, you don't know that that feeling is there behind it. And so it's like, why would I go forth and create this mess when I can play the game and live in the facade? Well, that's the question we have to ask ourselves is if I continue to play the game, let's play that till the, all the way to the end. If I continue to play the game, I continue to get more of what I'm getting, which is more shame, more hypocrisy, more hopelessness. And I will experience immense amounts of suffering and the end will be immense amounts of suffering. Mm -hmm. Or I can change the rules of the game. I can start to live by principles of authenticity, vulnerability, openness, transparency, all of these principles that we talk about. And there will be pain. There's likely to be consequence. There might be consequence in the position you hold or in your standing in your church. You might lose your position. You, you might lose that. And if you play that to the bitter end, what you get is you'll get the pain of, of all of that change, maybe the judgment of other people. And at the end of the day, you end up with a clear conscience. You have a chance for healing. You have a chance of hope. You have the possibility of growth and change. And so you can either what's, choose what's more important. You that. can choose the pain of growth or you can choose the pain of hopelessness, the, the, the hell, the suffering hell. Yeah. And it's, and it is a choice every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you, Tyler, and I'm not asking for a ton of information here. Just like, do you have marital problems? <laughs> Everybody has marital problems. Yes. <laughs> okay. But you're a therapist. Yeah. You should have it all figured out. Don't you help people every day about how to have perfect marriages and how, how, how can you, how dare you have any problems in your marriage? That's a good question, man. And I got, Brandon, I got to tell you, like being, having a, te- having a tendency to lean this way already myself, like this is happens with my kids. This happens in my marriage all the time, especially really early on in my career. I felt like everybody had to see me and my wife have this perfect marriage. And I felt like <laughs> everyone had to like, when we went out in public, it's like the Patrick girls were lined out, you know, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> they were, they were so well behaved. They were so well mannered. They're the hardest workers. Like, but was I doing that to teach my daughters because I love them? Or was I doing that for myself? And yeah. early on, it was probably a lot more for myself. Right. But yeah, I got marriage problems. Yeah. So we're do I. human. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't exempt us from being able to also kind of like help other people along the path, the same way other people who are flawed help us along the path. Exactly. We're doing this together. We're, we're failing. We're sinning. We're all sinners. We struggle. We're doing this together. And, and if, if, and it's not the people who can never ever do these, these bad things 
that will lead us to the promised land. It's right. That's right. Yeah. It's it's the people who have learned how to own those things and learn from them as they go in life, who can ultimately say, I have experience with that. I know that. Right. Yeah. I, I, I look at, you know, and maybe this is me holding on to hope here as a, as a Christian man, but you look at like, you look at some of the figures traditionally in Christianity. Let's just use Paul, for example. I, I'm firmly convinced, and this is going to sound blasphemous, but Paul, there's a pretty good chance Paul might have had a sex addiction. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, well, okay. He was at a bare, at a bare minimum, he was not really a great guy. Like wow. he, he had a lot of, he had a lot of issues in his life. He had a lot of pride going on in his life. He had a lot of stuff going on in his life. And then he goes through sort of this heart transformation. And then he, so he goes from Saul to Paul, right? Yeah. He actually changes the name actually changes to sim, to symbolize the, the transformation of heart. That guy in, in my mind is he's a gift. Yes. Not, not because he was perfect, but because he was evidence of the possibility of transformation. And if you don't have those other parts of the story, you know, we were covering in our church this week, the, the topic was the story of Job, right? And what's the story that gets told of Job all the time is like, God like puts him through the ring or over and over and again. And all he strong does is he's, he's steady just, and strong. Yeah. But if you actually go and read Job, there's like 10 chapters of him like questioning and wrestling and getting angry with God. Like, it's not like he just stayed steady and strong, right? He ends up being steady and strong, but he goes through the human part. And, and I think we do a disservice when we go and we teach that and we don't actually show that he did the wrestle and the struggle. Like that had to be part of it. Right. But I, I think, I love what you're saying, but, but I think it's easy to talk about Job. It's easy to talk about Paul and it's, it's a lot harder to talk about yourself as the example of the person who is wrestling, the person that is struggling as a leader. How do I both be vulnerable and in my strength and, and, and have boundaries with how, you know, how far I go and why, um, but also, also be able to, to, to own my stuff. And Tyler, I've had clients who, who have gotten tired of the game and they've gone into, you know, they're bishops or whatever. And they gone, they went into leaders who were above them and they said, look, I've, I've been struggling with a, a pornography issue and they've gotten released. They've gotten, okay, you're out, you're done. Um, and I think some, some people listening might be, be thinking, well, good. They, they should get released. And you know what? Maybe they needed maybe. to. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what, what yes. God needed for them is for them to, to be done with that calling. Um, but I've had other clients who have done the same thing who haven't gotten released, you know, and, and who have been a great strength to the people struggling in their congregations because um, they've been through similar things. Right. So right. Um, the pathway out of hell and suffering is through be getting congruent or in alignment with your integrity. That's always the way. That's the answer. It's it. It's it. And it's so, and so process. To yeah, congruency. Just, yeah. Systematic process. To I love that Tyler. 
And so if you're, if you're behind all these things saying, there's no way I can get in my integrity because there's too much on the line. There's just way too much. I'll tell you this. God wants you to. God wants you in your integrity so you can be actually in your purpose. Because if you're, if you're playing the game, you're actually doing damage to yourself, to your relationship, and to those people in your congregation by, by perpetuating the facade. That's right. And, and at the end of the day, it, it comes back down to another Christian principle. Do we fear God more than we fear man? Yeah, I would, I would change the word fear to respect. Um, but, but who is it that matters more to us? Because I've happened to believe that we have a God who is constantly pursuing our hearts. He's looking for a way to reinforce to us exactly how he sees us with loving eyes and with our true potential. And it is our fear of other people and their judgment of us that most often gets in the way of being able to receive those answers from, from a God who wants your heart. Yep. yep. And he, he will, pers- he will continue to pursue, sue that heart for as long as you're alive, whether you will accept it or not. And, and in some ways he will allow you to break yourself against that fear of other people until you're broken enough to give yourself to him. Yep. I, I, uh, I want to tell a story. So there's a guy who I've heard his story several times. I know him really, really well. And he was a very high up, um, both in business and in church. Um, he held a very important, you know, responsibility in his church. Um, and he was sleeping with prostitutes regularly. And you would, you would look at him and his life and think it would never think that was going on. Like ever, like no way he goes out and sleep with, with prostitutes. Right. And, uh, he was he, 25 years of this in his marriage. He had a, a huge family, like eight kids. And he, he, he tells his story and he says, you know, I had had it. Like we had had enough problems. Things had come up. And one night I went to bed and I laid there. And as I laid there, I decided to just ask myself, is God real? Is God real? And he's, he's, he, ta- he tells this story. He laid there all night long and didn't sleep. And <clears throat> at the end of the night, he, he determined, I think there's more chance that God is real than that God's not. And if that is the case, if that is the case, then I need to get right with God. And, and so I'm going to take that risk. And he didn't sleep that night. He walked right into his wife's bedroom and, and, and everything crashed down for him then. Um, and he, you know, he lost his calling. He, everything. His wife asked him to leave. He, and like all this stuff crashed down. He didn't end up getting divorced, but all these consequences came that he had been avoiding. But now he is a force for good. He is a voice for recovery. He is doing amazing things with with his experience that he's been through. And all of that was made possible by the courage enough to say, I'm going to get right with God, because that's the most important thing that matters right now. 
Right. That's, that's beautiful. Um, That's beautiful story, Brandon. I'm having images and we're, we're getting pretty religious on this one today, but you know, in essence, I picture us standing on the top of our own, you know, tower of Babel, you know, (laughs) expecting to receive like the, whatever it is, our, our endowment from other people or God or whatever that we're good enough. And in reality, what you're just saying is I got, I got this picture of this guy finally going and like playing Jenga with his tower of Babel. He like (laughs) pulled the piece out and was like, here it comes. Boom. It came crashing down. And, and what you didn't share Brandon in that story is, and this is something that my wife always yells at me for, for in the way I tell my story is, yeah, I was in hell and then I decided to change and now life's good. And like, yeah, I'm no, 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 a no. bunch of people. It's like, no, no, no. He lost everything. He was, yeah. he lost his wife. He lost his position in his church. He lost all of it. And his, all his kids were mad at him. And, and he had to go through a process of doing his best to repair all of that. Some things he probably couldn't repair, but at the end of the day, he's more congruent as a human being now than he was then. And he's free. And, and, and even if, let's say, even if there wasn't a God, the likelihood that there was a God was higher than the likelihood that there wasn't. What that led him to was a process that allowed him to take ownership of his life, his choices, his process again, and work towards something bigger than himself. Yes. And, and now years later, you're able to see the benefits and go, wow, I'm so glad that guy is who he is. And, yes. and he goes to bed at night, every night, being much more glad that he is who he is now than who he was then. No question. No question. But that tower falling was hard to watch fall. And it was painful and difficult and, and all. The, he yeah. had to accept all of that. Because God, because what's the most important thing? The most important thing is that he's good with God. That's, That's right. the most important thing. That's right. When you so clearly surrender all it all debris. over, surrender it over. Right. That's right. And, and his poor wife, you know, is, is like on the, on the fifth floor of that tower and it tumbles down on top oh, of her yeah. head, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and it, it sucks for her. It's not fair. Um, but yet it's still the right thing to do because her hanging out in that tower is not good for her either. Right. That's exactly right. It's not good for anybody. Right. It it has a ceiling at which there can be no more progress. All the members of his congregation are on floor two and <laughs> they get and boom. Yeah. And, and, and it's good for them. And it happens to be part of town. their process. That's right. Tyler, this has been fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hope, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in this position, um, I would just encourage you to, to stop for a minute, maybe say some prayers um, really think about what we're saying. And if, if, if you felt something inside of you of wanting to get out of this, you know, later on this afternoon or tomorrow, when you start talking yourself out of the courageous thing that you need to do, please catch yourself and, and make a commitment to get in alignment. Um, because it will be, it will be, could be painful, but it'll be worth it. Bring it above the surface. Let's see what life can be like when you live a life that's above the surface. Yes. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later. 